Hey, it's Aaron. And I'm Sarah. And this is 31 Nights of Scary Shit. Hello, friends. Hello. Hey. So hopefully by the time you're listening to this, we will have shipped out the uh, stickers to use because hopefully they'll get here this week. Getting out um, some merch. Yeah. But you have to donate to our Buy Me a Coffee account, which is uh, linked in the show notes, friends. So please, if even if it's $5, like we will send you a sticker. Yes, we will. Um, please, please, please donate. It's linked down in the show notes. Also, our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook are also linked in the show notes. So I'm going to stop repeating them in the episode over and over and over again. Please just go to the show notes <laughs> and click on those things and follow us. And uh, maybe talk to us on those things. That might be fun. Talk to us on there. I'd yeah. like to get more emails that we can share with you guys. I'd like to hear about cool stories. We want to share your experiences or hear about stories that we should be researching. So without further ado, Aaron. Sure do. Let's, uh, let's hop in, friend. So this story is getting a lot of attention right now because um, of the episode that's featured in the reboot of Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. Yes. One of the episodes was um, about the UFO sighting in the Berkshires, Berkshires in 1969. Berkshires. Berkshires. But in 1969. Um, what I do want to say really quickly about the reboot of um, Unsolved Mysteries is you have to watch it. That one that's in Baltimore about the guy in oh, Baltimore. Oh, God. Oh, my God. You have to watch it, have to watch it, have to watch it. Anyway, so crazy, we're going to talk crazy. about one of those stories. Aaron is going to talk about one of those stories. But please watch it. It's so good. Yeah. Um, I love the Unsolved Mysteries reboot. And, mm-hmm. you know, I love a UFO story. But you know what I did not love? I hate to say it. Don't hate me out there. I did not love American Horror Story the other night. Really? No, hated it. Hated it with a pat. Okay, hated we're it. not going to spoiler it, but now, really? Yes, I hated it. I can't stand it. And my sister and I were talking about this. And the weird thing is my sister and I always like and hate the same things in shows. It's so weird. We'll yeah. discuss it after. And we said the same things, but not liking it. Really? And, and I only mildly tolerated the other six episodes, probably because I love all those actors. I'm not loving this season. Like, I'm, no, not loving it at all. I kind of love it. I that's, it's kind of weird, but mm-hmm. like in a in a campy way. I don't mind which it. I also love Ryan Murphy because he does camp really well. But like, I'm just not feeling it. I don't. I don't care about these characters from that episode at all. I d- I just don't care. I just wow. I not even the. I guess I could say it right. Wait. It doesn't give too much away can, if I mention a character you, name, right? You can give their give the like, real name, like, Amelia. That to me, I thought was an interesting detail to a. a that's the that, only that's the only interesting but it's detail the intro, it's like the intro to the episode that i found more interesting than the second half yeah because i don't care about those people no, i'll be honest with you no and honestly the ending of this episode i was like okay we all saw it coming yeah. it leading to this just, how are you going to make it interesting it, but now i think they're going to connect it to asylum well, that's possible. Which I want to see really badly because there hasn't been a lot of connections. I mean, I'm not going to give up on it because I will follow an ep- I will follow that series the whole way through, no matter how much I don't enjoy it. Because we know yeah. there's been seasons we have not enjoyed, and I watched them all. But I well, just, yeah, to be honest, I wasn't a huge fan of 1984. I loved it. See, and you love that one. I'm not a big fan of it, but I think we both can agree that Roanoke is the worst. Oh, by far. <laughs> it's so terrible. Yeah. 
But anyway, anywho, back to this. I have digressed again, but that's too bad. It's our show and we're allowed to do that. So it's our show and we'll make shit up if we want to. We didn't make anything up though, but no, we didn't. But anyway, the Netflix episode of of the Berkshires is really good. And it's got the, um, it's got interviews from about, I think five or six people that, that experience this. So it's very good. Um, and, and, you know, often when, when you hear people talking about a UFO experience, sometimes you question the people. These people, to me, seem... Like, legit? They're credible. You know, they're, they're... Let's put it this way. They really believe in what they saw. Whether, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, whether or not it's real, they believe Because it's real. these are people who, as a result of telling their story, they didn't really want to talk about it. They kind of had to. These are not people that seem like fame whores to me. You know, it, like a couple of them said, I got ridiculed and made fun of and we had to leave town. Like, like I'm only telling the story because like people are kind of like forcing the issue right now. They're like, you know what I mean? It's not yeah. your typical like. I just can't wait to get my 15 minutes of fame. And not only that, there were 40 different reports. So people- Oh, yeah. Well, no offense. That's like the Mothman yes. shit. Like, it, at a certain point, there's enough people reporting right. that you're like, it can't be a collective hallucination. Yes, exactly. So yeah. as I digress, let me go on again. So um, this took place in on September 1st, 1969. And there were different sightings in Great Barrington, Sheffield, Stock- Stockbridge, and Egremont in Berkshire County, also known as the Berkshires in Massachusetts. Um, some of the witnesses appear, as I said in the Netflix uh, episode. Thomas Reed and his brother Matt Reed have been kind of at the forefront of this. Um, Thomas Reed has written extensively about his um, experiences with extraterrestrials. Um, Tom Warner is another person that was interviewed. Um, Nancy Reed, who was Thomas Reed's mother, Jane Green, and then a, a woman named Melanie Kirch, Kirchdor, um, tell their stories. So about 40 people in Berkshire County had reported seeing a UFO. Um, the sighting, uh, the evening of September 1st, 1969, there were strange lights that descended on the town of Sheffield. The lights were thought to be attached to a UFO. Witnesses described a disc-shaped craft that performed acrobatic maneuvers in the sky above the Berkshires. And witnesses claim they lost track of time. So it isn't exactly known how long this phenomenon lasted, but it was thought to be pretty brief. Hmm. Um, Isn't it interesting that time loss always accompanies these Yes, and I'll get more into that, and it's really weird. The Berkshires is in western Massachusetts, and that's a region I've not explored. I've, I've seen coastal you know, Massachusetts, but I've never actually been anywhere, I don't think, in western Massachusetts. They're not in New York. It's in Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, it's huh. it's very rural. Um, there's large areas of wilderness, and I kind of envision it's a lot like many of the places where I grew up in Pennsylvania. Um, it's a very popular place for outdoorsy people who like to hunt and like to be in nature. Um, the area is mostly full of really small towns, which I guess... Some think is, is supposedly ideal for extraterrestrial beings to visit, you know, the more mm-hmm. isolated remote places. I mean, these things don't happen in New York City. No. Usually. Or they do and no one notices right. because it's New York yeah, City. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I often wonder, do they prefer to visit a certain type of person? Um, you oh. know, do they do they find people in rural areas to be a little less skeptical? I don't know. I don't know what it is, but yeah. um, I both do and don't want to be visited by one. You know, I'm I'm curious, but um Anyway, I don't want them impregnating me. I know that. That's that's. So Sheffield is one of the places that was visited, and that has a population of about 3,200 people, and that's about the size of the town that I grew up in. 
Um, even though the encounter was brief, it made quite an impression. People were calling in to the local radio station that evening, WSBS, and initially people weren't saying they saw a UFO. They were just saying something weird was happening. In school the next day, kids were drawing pictures of the UFO. Um, Since the stories of the sightings were so compelling, the Barrington Historical Society actually recognized this encounter as the first off-world UFO case in U.S. history, about 45 years later. Um, So I'm going to get into Thomas Reed and his family a bit more. Um, Again, over 40 people definitely saw something, but not everyone claimed to be taken aboard. So September 1st, 1969 was not the first time that the Reed family had encountered extraterrestrials. According to a 2015 article in the Boston Globe, Thomas Reed had had his first alien encounter in 1966 when he was just six years old. He and his family lived on a horse farm in the Berkshires when these encounters began. In the first incident, Thomas was in his bedroom. There were strange lights and strange figures in the hallway. Suddenly, he found himself in the woods near his house looking at a UFO. His brother Matt was with him, and they were inside the craft looking at, quote, a strange projection of the willow tree. Hmm, could it be the devil's tree from Baskin Ridge in New Jersey? No. (gasps) Sorry, I'm mixing episodes. It could be. The next incident happened the following year at the family home in Sheffield, Massachusetts. Again, Thomas recalls strange lights, door slamming, and he and Matthew back in the vessel, and then his mother picking him up in their driveway after she'd been frantically searching for them. So he lost so he lost time in those up in those encounters. Then on September 1st, 1969, the Reed family would have an encounter that would alter their lives forever. Thomas had been riding in a horse show that day, and they went to the diner after the diner that his mother owned after the show around 9 p.m. They decided to take the Sheffield Bridge as a shortcut home. That's about six miles south of Great Barrington. Thomas and Matthew were in the back seat. Their grandmother was chastising Thomas for wanting to give Matthew a hard candy. She turned around and she noticed the light rising from the banks of the Housatonic River. When they exited the bridge, there was a hovering ball of light about two stories high that fired rods of light. Matthew was looking toward the right and he saw an orange orb that moved kind of like an ocean wave. They felt a pressure change, almost as if they were underwater. Thomas's mother pulled over and at that time they noticed a disc-shaped object hovering that looked like kind of a sideways turtle shell. The craft was about 100 yards long. The car was then illuminated in the inside as if it was daylight. Then things went deadly still. Then loud chirping started as if the wildlife had gone crazy reacting to the lights. Thomas estimates that of the three-hour encounter, he remembers only fragments of about 15 minutes of time. What? Thomas, his brother, mother, and grandmother found themselves in a giant room. Thomas is brought to meet two strange ant-like figures, then was placed in a cage. The next thing he recalled is that he was beside his car. So he can't really recall anything in between. Thomas's mother only remembers coming to in front of the drugstore. Her mother, so the grandmother, was now in the driver's seat, and she was in the passenger seat, which meant that their positions in the car had been switched. Oh my god, just like the episode. Thomas believed that the intention was that they were never supposed to remember what happened, but the beings made a mistake by putting the two women in the wrong seats, and they also had turned off the ignition. So naturally, there's been skepticism around these stories, but the Great Barrington Historical Society and Museum has inducted this story as a true event. Supposedly, this is the first time that a historical society has declared that a UFO encounter was actually factual. 
Nine of the 12 board members voted yes, while three were opposed. There was even a memorial erected by private citizens, but it was vandalized and then removed. Wow. So Thomas Reed, as I said, has written about this, um, and he's passed the polygraph test. And I know, I know, sometimes people who, you know, aren't truthful pass them, but he believes believes 100% in what he's saying. Um, Thomas Reed um, experienced bullying as a result of the story. He talked openly about his experiences at school which did not make him a popular kid. His mother owned a restaurant. People would come in and harass her. Um, Tom's mother did not like to talk about the experience because, well, it was not well received. Um, Tom's mother would be followed by people sometimes. And one guy got really aggressive and jumped on her tailgate and exposed himself to her and said, quote, if you really want to see something out of this world, I'll show you. First of all, how unoriginal. Yeah. Yeah. So she did not have a good time of it and did not want the attention for this. The Reeds did not gain any money for their story. So you have to ask yourself, why would they put themselves through the hassle if they did not believe it was true? Yeah, there's no motivation. After the encounter in 1969, Thomas's mother sold the diner and the house and they moved to Great Barrington to escape the bullying and harassment. Nancy Reed was really sad about leaving because she had gone there with the intention of creating an idyllic life for them in Sheffield. Oh. Yeah. So she was pretty sad to have to leave. Um. Aww. As I said, the story's been in the news again due to the Unsolved Mysteries episode. It was also featured in Alien Mysteries on Discovery Channel, Canada, Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. It's also part of the International UFO Museum and Research Center in Roswell, New Mexico. So they recognize it there. Um, plenty of people out there who think it's, think it's legit. So there are some other witnesses who were interviewed, and it was like around the 50th anniversary, so it would have been 2019. So this is in the Great, Great Barrington area of Massachusetts. So a woman named Jane Green had been a lifelong resident, um, and her family had had a pharmacy in um, the northeast, I guess, of Massachusetts. So at dusk on the night of September 1st, 1969, Jane Green was driving back from Stockbridge to Great Barrington and her friend Mary DeGrace was with her. They saw a lot of lights and assumed that there was an accident up ahead. When she got closer, the lights blinded her. She pulled over and so did the car in front of her. Jane and Mary got out of the car and she claims that a huge object was floating in the air and that she couldn't determine where the borders of the object ended um, from the right or the left. She couldn't tell what color it was. It was an enormous object, tall, no windows, noiseless, and not being run by any apparent motor. The object then lifted up and disappeared over the mountains. Nope. Jane Green reported the encounter to the radio station and told the director of WSBS. He joked with them and said that they must have been drinking. Tom Jay, who was the radio announcer, received so many calls that he called the police department to see if they were getting any calls. People who had never met each other before were reporting the same story. No, See, Tom, that that to Tom. me the same story being reported. Yep, it just seems like so many red flags. And then Tom Warner was a kid at the time. Um, his family had lived in the same house for generations, so the family home had been in the family since 1835. Tom was the youngest of seven children. Tom Warner was coloring pictures with his next door neighbor that night. The Shaws. There were two girls. At one point, he walked over to the window and he said a voice told him. Like, a, like almost like a mental telepathy kind of voice. Cool. You have to go home now. So he was terrified and he said to Debbie Shaw, I have to go home. So he bolted out the door and he tried to run full speed to his house. And the houses were close. They're neighbors. 
From what Jane Shaw witnessed, Tommy was running in place and not getting anywhere. No, no, no. Yep. Don't like that. And she said this went on about five minutes. Where he, he was just running in place Yes, for five he, was, he was running, but not actually oh, getting anywhere. God. He felt something was wrong, but he didn't know what was happening. To his left was a rock, and when he turned, a UFO dropped out of the sky. A beam shone on him, and, and his arms jerked back behind him, and he felt like the air got sucked out of him. And Jane Shaw recalls that Tom Warder seemed to be engulfed in the lights, and then he just disappeared in front of her eyes. Um, no, no. Yeah, no. and I'll come back to that. So... Meanwhile, in Lake Mansfield, a woman named Melanie Kirchdorfer was about 12 on that same night in 1969. And on the night of that sighting, um, she and her family had gone to Dairy Queen for ice cream and they went up to Lake Mansfield. When her father backed up in the parking lot, there was a bright aura that appeared. Her father wanted to chase the lights. Melanie begged him not to because she was freaked out, as were the other people in the car. And she said her memory is that she was levitating and then she was aboard a ship and kind of laid out. No. Tom Warner says that he saw Melanie aboard the ship and she looked terrified. But Melanie does not recall ever seeing Tom Warner aboard the ship. Weird. Melanie was in a room with children who would disappear one by one. No. The next thing she recalled, she's back at the lake by herself, left to find her way back home. Tom Warner recalled being laid down like a baby on his property when he was dropped off by the aliens. Like After Gently like yeah, a baby? Yeah, gently. When, Ooh, I don't like that. After the encounter, when he looked up, there was a beam on him, and Tom's brother was behind him, and his brother was telling him to run, but Tom could not run, because the beam was holding him on the ground. And then a voice telepathically said to him again, I'll be done in a minute. Oh. And then the beam went away, and Tom was able to get off the ground. I'll be done in a minute? Meanwhile, Debbie Shaw recalled that from the time Tom was picked up by the beam and then deposited back on the ground, it was only about seven minutes. No, no. And Melanie, no, no. Melanie, the woman that was aboard the craft with Tom, did not know him before that night. Weird. Yeah. According to Chief William Walsh of the Great Barrington Police Department, there's nothing in the police reports from that night about UFO sightings on the evening of September 1st, 1969. It's a cover up. Unfortunately, there are also no documents from the reports made to the radio station. According to Eddie Galata, whose father was the chief of the Sheffield Police Department back in 1969, the day after the incident, people started reporting uh, to his father that a strange that strange disc-shaped crafts were moving up and down in the fields of Sheffield. They said these were not airplanes. They were round and they were silver, but Eddie's dad basically dismissed it as it was a load of crap. The witnesses experienced um, isolation and scorn from their peers in the community because of their stories, but some were supportive. Again, you have to ask yourself, why would they lie and subject themselves to ridicule? Um, it's really more negative attention than it is anything. But I know one thing, these people believe they experienced something. I don't know what. Um, and in this documentary, it actually shows sort of footage of some objects and, uh, and audio footage of, of Navy pilots, you know, encountering something and going, we don't know what this is. So, so, you know, there, there are sightings that are not being yeah. reported and, and that they don't know what they are. And that's wild. Yeah, it is a wild story. So, um, and again, I hate to say this, but you know, when you, sometimes again when you hear the stories from some of the witnesses they all sometimes have that sort of lack of credibility where you, you yeah. feel like they could have jumped on the bandwagon these are very 
this is a very different sort of people. The one woman is 85 years old now and she's just like, come on, why the hell would I still be telling the story? She's yeah. like, she's like, you people called me up. There's no benefit. Yeah, it's she, not like she's getting a kickback. No, she, like, She's like, you guys called me up and asked me if I wanted to talk to talk about it. She's like, I had really never even talked much about this. She's like, because I knew people would say I was crazy, you mm. know. So that's that's my point. Like, whatever happened, something happened, and they all experienced it. So I don't know what it was, but they all believed something happened. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. it seems legit, and you know how I am. I believe anything that's a UFO thing, anything. and that is, I mean, I'm telling you, like you said, like, there's no benefit to them lying about it. Like, it's not like they're getting anything. They're not making TV appearances every week and getting paid for it. It's not like these people that confess to things and they're just doing it for attention. Uh, What's that guy? What's that guy's name? The confession killer. Um, Not Otis Tool, but who's the other one that was always with him? That, uh... Harlan Harb... No, um... No, no. People are screaming it at us right now. He's the one that confessed to the Adam Walsh killing. Otis Tool and... Henry Lee Lucas. Henry Lee Lucas. We got it. Um, but yeah. Look, it's not like him where, like, clearly he's doing that for attention. Like, these people, like, there's no benefit. People call those people crazy. And these people aren't really people that are hurting for money either. These are yeah. these are people that are business owners, entrepreneurs. Like just they're the, just like the socio- this is what happened. Yeah, so- the socioeconomic background of of these witnesses. Right. Now, I mean, it's not like they're. I don't think they're hurting for yeah, money. They're not coming out of the woodwork for a particular no. reason. They're literally reporting what they're saying. Well, that was pretty fascinating. Maybe we can bring some more UFO stuff later this month. I think I have a few that um, kind of fit into that UFO, paranormal, mm-hmm. otherworldly kind of vibes. So uh, thanks, Aaron. That was uh, that was a that was a fun one. I uh, obviously had seen the episode, but you know it's been a while. Yeah, I had and, to rewatch. Um, I had to rewatch because I kind of didn't pay a lot of attention to it at first until yeah. I started hearing about it again, and then I'm like, oh yeah. And I remember when we watched the episode, the running in place freaked me out too. Like yeah. there's something about like you're running full speed, but you're not. Well, it's moving. like an, it's like in a dream when you can't move. Is it weird that my ear is now ringing? Uh oh, that means you're a witch. It's one of those tests. No, it's that's, not. That's the sixth test I that didn't is mention. Not the sixth test. Yeah, ear ringing. Get the hell out of here, <laughs> ear ringing. Aaron's making shit up now. Um, but anyway, friends. Um, yeah. So look in our show notes for our buy me a coffee and our social media friends and follow and send us money, please. We're begging you, please help us buy more audio equipment. But anyway, we really hope that you um uh, stay spooky. Uh, bye. I think.